wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes! 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 For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Do I have everybody's attention now? Sorry about your damn luck. I deserve one more match. It's going to be the end of the world as you know it. Welcome back, folks, to another electric edition of WrestleRant Radio here today for July 22nd, 2014. I am your host with the most. Bleach Report featured columnist Graham G.S. and Matthews. A very big show of WrestleRant Radio here today. Lot on tap. We've got the Battleground Review, Raw Review, and in the second portion of the show, I will be airing my exclusive interview with the one of the owners and uh Someone who works at the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame, Mr. John Soto. Me and my friend John, John Nichols, who I will have on the show next week for an in-depth analysis of the WWE Network and part one of a two-part interview that I did with John over the weekend, and I'll get to that in a minute. But uh, our exclusive interview, both John and I talked to Mr. John Soto, a, uh, an administrator of the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame up in Amsterdam, New York. We talked to him over this past weekend on Saturday afternoon when we drove up there during our camping trip. I had a hell of a time. wasn't the first time we've been there. We actually went there for the first time about three years ago in August of 2011. So to go back there and talk to Mr. John Soto about a number of things, about WWE, TNA, The Shield, Brock Lesnar, Kenta, Dean Ambrose, you name it, we talked about it in a and an amazing 25-minute interview, and I cannot thank Mr. John Soto enough for that great interview. So we'll be airing that in the second portion of the show that is still to come. And like I said before, a number of great shows of WrestleRant Radio coming in weeks ahead. Like I said before, next week I'll be airing my part one of two-part interview with my very good friend, Mr. John Nichols. Um, been friends with him for a very long time. Our love for wrestling runs deep. We sat down for two hours on Saturday just talking about wrestling alone. And we could have gone on for hours more had our friend not had to go to bed that night. Um, we were sharing a cabin with my brothers and he had to go to bed. And it was about midnight. So had it not been midnight, we probably could have gone on for many more hours um, from that point forward. But nevertheless, two-part interview with John Nichols coming in weeks to come. Next week and the week after that, going into SummerSlam. But this week will be my exclusive interview with Mr. John Soto of Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame in Amsterdam, New York. But before we get to any of that, um, lots of talk when it comes to WWE as well as TNA. I'll just give my brief thoughts on TNA real quick. Not going to do their uh, a rundown of my, my exclusive interview or anything like that. My uh, A full review, I guess I should say, of the latest episode of Impact Wrestling of uh, that aired this past Thursday night on Spike TV, the first of the New York tapings. What I thought was a great show, maybe good by WWE standards or, or by regular wrestling standards, I guess you should say, but by TNA standards and all the shit they've been putting out for the last few months, this was a great show, a great rebirth, so to speak, of the TNA promotion, Impact Wrestling, whatever you want to call it. Um, lots of great stuff happening. Really enjoyed Bobby Lashley, or just Lashley, I guess, as they're calling them now. Versus Jeff Hardy for the TNA World WWE Championship. The opening tag team match with EC3 and Rhino taking on Bully Ray and Tommy Dreamer. Very fun match there. We also had in the main event, or the closing segment of the show, 
which I didn't necessarily think should have closed the show, but it was what it was. With the reunion of Team 3D putting EC3 through a table, so a lot of great stuff on Impact this last uh, this past week. Like I said, not going to give my full review, but I will say right now, um, TNA is heading in the right direction. A lot of great stuff. I heard rave reviews regarding their tapings in New York a couple of weeks ago, and actually, interestingly enough, they are coming back to New York in early August. And like I just said, when I went camping up with John up in the New York area, that's where the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame is located. Um, we are camping out in Saugerties, New York. The next TNA tapings are in the same location that they were back in late June in the Manhattan Center in New York, New York. So with that being said, depending if I can get off from work and all the uh, logistical issues of it, uh, all, all from that kind of side of it and whatever else, um, I might be going to one of those shows. They're, they're taping the Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday of the first week of August. And I think that is the 2nd, 3rd, and 4th, or the 3rd, 4th, and 5th. I'm not exactly sure. But either way, I'm looking forward to it. It should be a hell of a time, and um, I'm really hoping to be able to go, because these latest shows, and I don't read the spoilers, but from what I've heard, they were um, probably the best tapings that TNA has done in years. So their first show, I give it a thumbs up, a success. I enjoyed it. Here's hoping TNA can stay the course with their tapings in weeks ahead. So let's go right into Battleground right here. Um, the show aired this past Sunday night, July 20th, 2014, airing on the WWE Network live from Tampa, Florida. I personally thought it was a very good show. Maybe it was just me. I know a lot of people said it was lackluster. It was terrible. Some people are still calling it much like the prior installment of the pay-per-view, the quote-unquote worst pay-per-view of the year thus far. I didn't personally think so. I could see why people thought of it, the show that way. I'm not saying it was WrestleMania 30 caliber or anything along those lines. But for what it was, I thought it was a very good show. And I'll give my two cents on that right now. So kicking off the show in the two kickoff matches, and it was uh, announced for the pay-per-view just hours before the pay-per-view went live. On the kickoff, one of two matches was Adam Rose versus Fandango. Both guys were announced for the Intercontinental Championship Battle Royal, but both were pulled from the contest a few days ago and had a match on this show. Um, it really didn't serve much of a purpose outside of furthering the feud between Fandango, Summer Rae, and Layla, who, I guess, and I'll get to this in just a second, are being... Um, positioned as the new beautiful people of the WWE in a ripoff of TNA Stable with Angelina Love and Velvet Sky. And like I said, I'll get to that in a second and my two cents on that and the bullshit that surrounds it. But um, for what this was, it was kind of a waste of a matchup between Adam Rose and Fandango. I think my thoughts on the love triangle involving Summer Rae, Layla, and Fandango are pretty well documented. It's been going on for far over two months now. Um, much longer than it should have, two months longer than it should have gone on for. I just, I don't know if Summer Rae and Layla are supposed to be baby faces, or if I'm supposed to feel, um, I'm supposed to feel sympathetic towards Fandango for being on the, um, for being the victim in all of this and not doing really anything to really deserve any of this, aside from two-timing Layla and Summer Rae. I'm not exactly sure how I'm supposed to feel, but what I am feeling about this angle is annoyance, and I'm personally annoyed by everything that goes on between Fandango, Summer Rae, and Layla. Waste of a match of why it was even added, I have no idea. Adam Rose goes over, and um, the Adam Rose experiment so far has been a failure as far as I'm concerned. I'm a big Rosebud, don't get me wrong. Love the guy, love the gimmick. I guess WWE just saw it as a failure, and if they see the gimmick as a failure, then that's when it won't get over. If they start to push it, or at least try to push it, then it will get over, but they never even made an attempt. So that's the issue with Adam Rose. But like I said before, I'll get to this now. There was a report a couple of days ago, I think maybe 
late last week or during the weekend or something like that that basically stated in uh, so many words that WWE was making Summer Rae and Layla the new beautiful people of the WWE. Now, you go back a number of years to 2009, 2010, when we had Lay Cool in the WWE, um, Layla and Michelle McCool, respectively, probably the uh, arguably the most annoying diva stable couple, whatever you want to say, duo of all time, hated Lay Cool. Maybe not. Uh, maybe they didn't get the heat that they were looking for. Maybe they got more of go away heat than anything else. But I personally hated Lay Cool. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan of Michelle McCool and all that she's accomplished in the WWE, but. Lay Cool, you can clearly see, I could see that as being a ripoff of the beautiful people, and it's no secret, I mean, it's been pretty well known for years on end now, that the knockout segments for TNA have always drawn bigger and stronger ratings than anything else in the quarter hour ratings of Impact every single Thursday. So for WWE to try to repeat that in their company with two very similar characters in Michelle McCool and Layla was not surprising. I could very well see that WWE was trying to rip off TNA. People complain all the time, myself included, about how much TNA rips off WWE, but they really fail to see how much WWE copies from TNA as well. They both copy from each other, let's face it, and they both copy from history that's repeated itself. I mean, nothing is ever original nowadays. Everything is basically a spin-off or a twist on something that's happened before. So, that being said, I'm not at all denying that Michelle McCool and Layla were the uh, WWE's version of the beautiful people in an attempt to get them ratings and have them be the quarter-hour ratings or the strongest ratings for Raw, whatever. Um, I'm not denying that, but I am denying the fact that Summer Rae and Layla are supposed to be the new beautiful people. I know the new, I know the beautiful people are back together in TNA and have been for a number of months now. And um, apparently, according to this report, they put Summer Rae and Layla together because they um, because they have they want this to be their new lay cool. And with Michelle McCool no longer being in the company, they just put Summer Rae in that position. They put her in that role instead, just because she's blonde, just like Michelle McCool was. And Michelle McCool is now retired, so they were unable to bring them back. So, I I, I guess I that's purely spe- speculation. I do not read any. In- I, I I wouldn't read into that at all. Um, if I were in a casual reader of the dirt sheets, whatever, I wouldn't believe everything you read, especially when it comes to these kind of dirt sheets and these kind of reports. Purely speculation, purely BS. Um, Layla and Summer Rae have no comparison to the beautiful people in TNA. The beautiful people in TNA, Love and Sky respectively, have been doing the same thing for years. They did the same thing before that they're doing now. They really haven't changed their shtick at all. Summer Rae and Layla are doing nothing of what the beautiful people is currently doing in TNA. You know, they're stripping down, they're, you know, teasing referees, and I'm talking about the beautiful people here, the the real beautiful people in TNA. You know, they're playing mind games with the referees, stuff like that. I understand that, and that's what they've been doing that for years. You go back to 09, 2010, 08, they've been doing that since the start of their shtick. So I'm not surprised by that, but... WWE's PG product doesn't really allow Summer Rae and Layla to do any of that stuff and kind of tease a lesbian angle or whatever they were doing beforehand. Uh, maybe Love and Sky could be seen that way. I'm not really sure. But in no way are Summer Rae and Layla anywhere similar to the beautiful people of TNA currently. Um, Summer Rae and Layla, all they're basically doing right now, as much as I hate it, all they're basically doing is coming down during Fandango's matches and causing him to lose. The beautiful people are just making life miserable and just vicious as hell for anyone that comes in their path, whether it be Brittany or Madison Rain or Gail Kim. They've been doing that since the start of time, 
and they will probably will continue to do to do that going forward. Summer Rae and Layla aren't picking on the other divas in the division. If anything, like I said before, they're being positioned as baby faces. So I really don't see. I don't. Th- I I never really saw fans pick up on this after you know before this report was issued, and I don't really read into it at all. You know, just take it for what it's worth. And like I said before, it's not really a report more so than it is merely a speculation. Merely it is an observation because I, I see no similarities between Layla and Summer Rae in The Beautiful People. I'm not saying that WWE didn't attempt to rip off TNA. Um, they have in the past and they probably will in the future. And TNA will continue to do the same thing to WWE. I'm not picking sides here. But um, I do have a hard time believing that. The entire Layla and Summer Rae act was solely based off of the beautiful people in TNA because their act is nothing what is nothing like the beautiful people in TNA at the moment. So I just wanted to get that out of the way, a brief rant on that. But um, that was what it was. Cameron defeated Naomi, pretty mediocre matchup. Basically what you would expect from these two, especially given the fact that Cameron is not the best in-ring worker. Naomi carried her to a decent enough matchup, to a good enough matchup that Cameron could be involved in. Cameron picks up the win via Dirty Tactics after holding the tights of Naomi. Um, a nice way of furthering the feud, although it wasn't further than Excellent on Raw, so I found that a bit weird. But hopefully we can get a rematch where Naomi goes over, because she's obviously being primed for a big-time push in the Divas division at some point in the near future. On the main card, kicking off the show, an amazing tag team match. The Usos taking on the Wyatt family in a 2 out of 3 count falls matchup for the WWE Tag Team Championships. Now, we knew this going in because their prior matches between the Usos and the Wyatt family have been stellar. I love their Money in the Bank matchup. Those were great. That was a great matchup. Their matches on main events, Raw, SmackDown, Superstars, everything. They're always awesome. They will continue to be awesome. And I've said this in my Raw reviews on my website on uh, on here on the show a number of times as soon as last week i've said in the past that i'm getting a bit tired of seeing the usos against the wyatt family but i'm not getting tired of the matches themselves and this was no exception the first two falls were a bit rushed they weren't quick quick much like you know Sami Zayn and cesaro you go back to that matchup the match of the year in nxt um you know late last year in august those falls were quick. Those were disappointing. At least these were a li- little bit more of a matchup. I think it was about five minutes in that they gave away the first fall. So that was a bit... I, I didn't really see what the big problem was there that some people are saying that was disappointing. I didn't really care about that all that much. Although it is kind of hard to see that matchup being ended in five minutes after they went nearly 15 minutes at the Money in the Bank pay-per-view late last month. But nevertheless... The third and final fall in this contest was absolutely amazing. Strong work from both the Usos and the Wyatt family, both teams holding their own. The live crowd was heavily into the action during the course of this contest. A lot of near falls, the Usos hitting one of their splashes, one of their signature signature splashes, only for a two count. The Wyatt family going all out here. Easily one of the best tag team matches I've seen in a very long time. Quite honestly, probably the best tag team match I've seen since uh, Cody Rhodes and Goldust beat The Shield, ironically enough, also at last year's Battleground pay-per-view. So I don't know if this is going to become an annual tradition at Battleground that the best tag team match of the year will will be held at that event. I guess we'll have to wait and see, but... Anyway, in any case, a great matchup to kick off the show. Probably uh, a too great of a matchup that it really set the standard high for all the matches to come later on in the night. Maybe that's why people saw this matchup or saw the show as a disappointment because none of the subsequent matches came close to touching this in terms of being 
just simply great. So awesome stuff there. I saw some people disappointed with the Usos retaining. I personally have no problem with it. Um, if I was booking this, I would have given the titles to the Wyatt family here. And hell, who knows? I mean, no teaser, no um, sign was really given on Raw in terms of where this suit is going. If it's over, if, if it's continuing, I wouldn't be surprised if they gave the titles to the Wyatt family either on Raw next week or maybe they hold another matchup at SummerSlam. And I'm not complaining. Like I said before, I'm getting tired of them facing each other, but I'm not getting tired of the matches they produce. Um, whether it be maybe even a tag team ladder match at SummerSlam or maybe even a steel cage contest. I'm not exactly sure. But if the, whether regardless of whether they continue this feud or not, this was a great matchup. I'm not at all disappointed that the Usos are still the WWE Tag Team Champions. Um, they have been awesome champions since they won the titles three months, or what, what's it been, five months almost now, since they won the titles back in March. But the Usos, and I've said this before, I don't know if I've said this on the podcast before or not, but um, at the Raw show, and I mean, I lost my voice when I did this show uh, a few days removed from Monday Night Raw in Hartford late last month, so I wasn't really able to talk about this. But the Usos are freaking over. The Usos are the only last real tag team in wrestling. I mean, you had Beer Money that was together for years on end. We really don't have any of those tag teams nowadays that are together for a very, very long time. The Usos have been together since day one, since they stepped foot in the WWE on the main roster over four years ago. And one can argue that they can't be split up given the fact that they're twin brothers and I see no potential, I see no future for either of them in singles competition. But you, you take that aside, it doesn't really matter. I mean, the Usos, I would argue, are one, if not the best tag team in the last few years for WWE. I mean, we've got a number of great tag teams. You've got Jericho, Air Boom, Cody Rhodes and Goldust. And Cody Rhodes and Goldust are still technically together, but no one has been consistently booked better than the Usos over the last four years in their ascent, their ascension into the tag team title picture. I mean, they've come up short time and time again over the last four years. So when it finally meant something, when they finally did win the tag team titles on Raw in Chicago back in March. So great stuff there. Really enjoyed their, their journey over the last four years. And, you know, much less his contest. So I'm looking forward to see what's next to the Usos. I, I said this after Money in the Bank, uh, you know, last month. But um, I would not be surprised if a feud with the Ascension is in their near future. They didn't debut on Raw, but they've been teasing that feud for quite a while now via Twitter between the Usos and the Ascension. They Both both teams have been uh, trading tweets over the last several months. So I would not be surprised to see the Ascension be called up. I think it's only a matter of time. They could produce a lot of great matches. Um, over the tag team titles, and it would be something new for the Usos, and I don't really see what other team can step up to challenge them for the title, seeing how um, Ryback is dead in the water. I don't see that tag team ever being positioned as uh, a legitimate threat to the tag team titles again, and there's really no other tag team currently in the division that can go for the titles aside from maybe Stardust and Goldust, and I'm not a big fan of that team, and unless they turn them heel, I don't really see what future they have. But um, nevertheless, hopefully they can bring up the Ascension and kick off that feud as soon as possible. So up next on the show, we had AJ Lee and Paige for the Divas title. Good matchup here, probably not as good of a matchup as it could have produced. But as was the case with a lot of matches on this card, I suspect they were holding back a bit going into SummerSlam where they can truly deliver a barn burner of a contest. It was still a bit odd for the dynamic of this matchup given the fact that they were both babyfaces at the time. No longer after the turn on Raw, but I'll get to that in a few minutes. 
But um, good matchup from them. If anything, I'm just ecstatic that we're finally getting a story in the Divas division. A good one at that between Paige and AJ. AJ goes over, still your Divas champion. And a good way to tie in to the subsequent turn from Paige on Monday Night's Raw. Like I said, I'll get to that in a minute. Up next, we had Rusev and Jack Swagger. Not a great matchup. I would say it was a good to decent contest from these two. Like I said before, another case of the two holding back. Maybe going to SummerSlam where a rematch could be held. And if Raw was any indication, I don't know if the if the feud is being carried on going into SummerSlam or in coming months or whatever the case may be. Jack Swagger was nowhere to be seen on Raw this week. So I'm surely hoping that this is not the end of the line for the feud. If the comments that Lana made at Battleground when it pertains to the Ukraine tragedy and her referencing it to as current events in her promo and getting bad mainstream publicity for it from the mainstream media. I don't know if that had anything to do with it. I surely hope not because Jack Swagger, and I talk about this in uh, my interview with John in uh, two weeks from now when it will be aired here on the show, that Jack Swagger, and he can attest to this because he was in the building too in Hartford on June 30th, Jack Swagger was one of the one of the most over guys in the building that night, the night he turned babyface. He's insanely over, and it's not just the USA chants. It, people have been chanting, let's go Swagger. So it's easy to tell the guy is over, as is Zep Colder, with his awesome mic skills. So I'm really, really hoping it's not the end of the line for Jack Swagger as a babyface or the end of the line for this feud with Rusev, because I've been thoroughly enjoying it. So I thought the finish was very good. Smart booking with Rusev winning via countout. It didn't make Jack Swagger look weak at all, although they did mention on Raw that he lost via submission, which was re- which was weird, but um, even still, I hope to see a rematch between these two, either at SummerSlam or later down the line, because Jack Swagger and Rusev has been arguably one of the highlights of WWE TV, um, funnily enough, funny enough, over the last month or so since it first started, and I never thought I would say that, but... As it pertains to the you know the comments that Lana made at Battleground, I wasn't personally offended. I didn't notice them. I think I might have been distracted at the time that she made the comments. But um, it did garner a big reaction from the media on Monday morning in regards to WWE doing it out of bad taste. And someone asked me this on hashtag SGSM this week. Go check out the video on YouTube for my full thoughts on it. But I'll just state them again here. Um, I don't think at all that WWE should make reference to the tragedy. And why they even bothered to do so in the promo on Sunday night. I mean, I know I know they didn't directly reference it saying the UK tragedy or whatever. But the fact they even made slight reference to it in the quote-unquote terms of, uh, of current events, whatever. Um, it's risky. It's not smart. Don't even try to push the envelope. It's a very PC-sensitive world nowadays that you can't do that kind of stuff. And even if they could do that kind of stuff, say this this was the Attitude Era, I wouldn't even want to see this kind of stuff. It's a real-life issue where lives were lost. Don't toy with that. Don't play with it. Don't make an angle out of it. That's bullshit. I'm fine with the pro-Vladimir Putin stuff. That's okay. You can do that all you want. Continue to garner heat. I don't really care. Just don't make a joke, not more so make a joke, but don't even bother referencing at all in any way, shape, or form the real, very real tragedy of the Ukraine attack from last week. So that's my two cents on that. Up next, we almost had a matchup between Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose. I don't know if I was in the minority here. I saw some people disappointed that we didn't get this matchup. People paid for this pay-per-view just to see this contest. Maybe for that, maybe that's true, but you know, being a WWE Network owner, maybe I'm just being selfish here, and a lot of people are watching these events on the WWE Network. 
It's not like you paid 60 bucks for this matchup and you didn't get your money's worth because it didn't happen. It's a WWE Network. You're paying anyway. Who cares if it didn't happen? But that's not the reason why I'm happy it didn't occur. The reason I'm happy it didn't occur is because it can be a later save for SummerSlam. Right up there with Rusev and Swagger, AJ and Page. There's a lot of great stuff happening now in the WWE, but one of the best feuds going on right now in WWE. Arguably and personally one of my favorite feuds, if not my single favorite feud going on in WWE right now, is between Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins. Both guys have been playing the roles tremendously over the last number of months, so I'm looking forward to their initial encounter, and I, I thought their matchup at, at Battleground, whether it was going to happen or not, was premature. So I was very glad that it did not happen. Um, they were all over the show regardless. You know, their brawl, which I thought was very, very hot, and did a great job of furthering their feud and not really giving too much away going into their eventual matchup at SummerSlam, which I will hope, which I do hope, will be held under no disqualification rules, much like Triple H and Shawn Michaels at the 2002 SummerSlam, widely regarded as one of the best SummerSlams of all time. So here's hoping they get that stipulation to their matchup. And even if it doesn't, I mean, it's their first ever encounter in the ring in singles competition. So for them to go one-on-one in a non-gimmick matchup is big enough, but to add the no-DQ stipulation would be awesome. So I very much look forward to that, and here's hoping it does come to fruition at the SummerSlam event in a few weeks. Up next, we had Jericho and Wyatt. I saw a lot of people make the comments that, oh, Wyatt was buried on this show, that because he didn't win, um, it was the wrong move. I didn't really see that at all. If anything, I was ecstatic that Jericho won, because far too often does he come back and lose, and lose, and lose. And he won a lot more last year than he did in 2012. Don't get me wrong. I've checked out the stats. I remember his run. He beat Wade Barrett. He beat a number of people over the course of his 2013 run. He beat Fondango a number of times. He's beaten Sheamus. He's beaten Swagger. He's beaten a lot of people in his time in the WWE, specifically last year. He garnered a number of victories, so don't give me that BS. He never beat anybody. But that being said, though, um, he never really won all that much on pay-per-view. In 2012, I think the only pay-per-view win he won that that he garnered was right before he left over Dolph Ziggler at the SummerSlam pay-per-view. In 2013, let's see, he lost to Rumble, lost to Chamber, lost to Mania, won at Extreme Rules, lost at Payback, I think was the next pay-per-view after that, wasn't it? I'm pretty sure it was, and he lost to that pay-per-view, lost to Money in the Bank, so... In the last two times that he's been in the WWE, he's only won one pay-per-view match. Maybe that will be the case with his latest run in WWE, but the important thing is that he won his first pay-per-view match back. He needs to be he needs to be set up as a threat to Wyatt, because if Wyatt won here, then why continue the feud? Jericho really has nothing left to prove. He's a six-time world champion. He's an undisputed he's the inaugural undisputed champion. But if he loses to Wyatt one, two, three in every match they face off in, then Jericho is going to be a joke. Wyatt doesn't really gain anything. So the fact that Jericho won here, I mean, I wasn't really a fan of it being done in decisive fashion. Codebreaker one, two, three. I thought it would come via a roll-up. I mean, I know that's predictable, but it's kind of what needed to happen, and predictability isn't always a bad thing. But I am glad Jericho won, because Bray Wyatt, when he does eventually beat Jericho, and I'm 100% sure, pretty pretty 99% sure here, confident that he will defeat um, Jericho one, two, three. In a singles encounter, come SummerSlam, Night of Champions, whatever, how long the feud goes on for, Wyatt will win come SummerSlam, will get his win back, will end the feud victorious. Jericho is not leaving WWE without putting Wyatt over in the end. So, I thought this was a good thing. I was not at all pissed with the match result. I know people are concerned with Wyatt after he lost to Payback and Money in the Bank. 
Payback, I could see that. I mean, I was pissed that he didn't win his feud with John Cena. That kind of seemed like a waste of time in retrospect. I mean, I know he lost to Mania. He had a terrible showing at Extreme Rules. wasn't all his fault, but the booking of that contest of that contest was horrendous. And then he lost to Payback. So that kind of feud, that, that feud in retrospect was kind of a waste. And then the Money in the Bank loss was a multi-man contest. But like I said before, you got to look at the bigger picture here. Why it will go over in the end come SummerSlam. So up next, The Miz won a Battle Royale to become the new Intercontinental Champion. I was probably the only one marking out this, that this happened, given the fact that I'm a major Miz fit. Not saying it was the right move. I would have loved to see um, Cesaro win the Intercontinental Championship after losing so much in the last few weeks, and you would think that he would win, and he didn't. But um, I was fine with The Miz winning here. I know I'm a fan of his, so I'm a bit biased. I understand that. I realize that. I'm admitting that. But he came back. He won. Again, Sheamus cleanly last week on Raw, and I talked about that last week on the show. And I mean, I realize that winning an IC title, winning a mid-card title nowadays, does not mean, mean as much as it once did. It's not as big of a boost to the credibility of one superstar, especially given the fact that he lost to Dolph Ziggler the next round on Raw in a non-title contest. But they got to stay the course with Miz. they still got to make him mean something, and I thought this win for Miz was good. I mean, he's coming off a very, not a hot return, but, you know, coming off of his recent revamping of his character, which I very much enjoy, he's dedicated to it. I know it's reminiscent of the character of Tyler Breeze, and he's stealing that persona. And I am somewhat frustrated at that, because it was Tyler Breeze's thing. But The Miz is making it work. He's getting nice. He, I, know the, I know the crowd reaction to this title change was flat. I understand that. But if they continue to make Miz mean something, he's only been back for a month. You've got to continue to make him mean something, so he can be built up back to the level that he was at before. I'm not saying that he'll main event at WrestleMania anytime soon, if ever again. I don't expect him to, and I don't think he will. I don't even think he'll become a world champion ever again in his career. But if he continues to be built up as a upper mid-card heel, it will mean something when someone eventually does defeat him for the Intercontinental title, whether it be at SummerSlam, and I mean, hopefully he holds the title longer than that if he loses the title to Dolph Ziggler, and I think those two could have a hell of a feud over the Intercontinental Championship, but... I didn't really see what was wrong with this, with the end result of this contest. Like I said before, big fan of the Miz. I'm biased in what I'm saying here, but I, I personally think that if they want to build back Miz back up, and it's not going to be another joke with him, and he's not going to be another joke, they need to have him establish credibility as a single star and giving him the IC title. Put him on the right, you know, it, it's, it's a step in the nice direction, in the right direction. Hopefully they can stay the course with him without ruining his run as IC champion. And I wasn't really mad that he lost on Raw either, because if anything, it sets up the feud with him and Ziggler, which were, was really, you know, the, feud, the, the seeds were planted for that at Battleground when he eliminated Ziggler from the contest. So it's really a, a feud made in heaven here, because the two have great matches. They had an awesome match, no pun intended, on Raw, <clears throat> and it will finally give Ziggler something to do for the foreseeable future after being wasted for the last year in pre-show matches and all this bullshit. So hopefully Miz and Ziggler can have a great feud over the IC title. Main event of the show saw John Cena defend his WWE World Heavyweight Championship against Randy Orton, Kane, Roman Reigns in a fatal four-way contest. It, the outcome was predictable. I understand that. The action of the matchup, the action within the matchup, was very entertaining, so I'll give them that much. They tried their best. They put forth a strong effort. So I commend that. I respect that. They had a good contest here, a very good main event, although the outcome of the matchup was very predictable. Roman Reigns was predicted in defeat. was not the best way to go off the show with Cena holding the title high above his head. was not even on Raw the next night because he's out filming a movie as a heel, as a villain, might I add, which is very funny to think about John Cena as a villain in any sort of 
you know, wrestling, movie, whatever. It's just kind of funny to think about. But, I mean, some people were hoping that Seth Rollins would show up and cash in Money in the Bank, that Lesnar would show up, whatever. I, I'm understandable. I understand why they went out the show this way. But um, for what it was, I enjoyed the main event. Overall, Battleground, I did not see this as bad of a show as some people are portraying it to be. If anything, I thought it was better than Royal Rumble. It was better than Elimination Chamber. And I would even say it was better than Money in the Bank. It might be on the same level as Extreme Rules and Payback, and nothing will ever come close to topping WrestleMania 30 this year. Or, you know, we never know. A SummerSlam, we'll have to wait and see. But this pay-per-view battleground, maybe I'm just thinking about the, the original <laughs> incarnation of this show last year. Um, it's funny, like I said on last week's show, I started doing WrestleMania Radio just days after the first of a, the, the first ever battleground pay-per-view. So maybe I'm just thinking of that pay-per-view and how bad and atrocious it was, and the only contest on that show worth watching was the tag team matchup. And some could say that the same was the same happened on this show, but I thought overall there were a lot of good matches. The opening contest, I think we said before, it was an amazing contest. AJ and Page, fine for what it was, we'll have a better match at SummerSlam. Same, same thing with Rusev and Swagger, good booking with a finish. Same thing with Rollins and Ambrose, same thing with Jericho and Wyatt. The Battle Royal was very entertaining down the stretch, and the main event was entertaining as well, even though the outcome was predictable. So overall, I'm not saying this was a stellar show, but I thought it was very, very good. I enjoyed it. I thought it was nice. I I thought it was entertaining. The action was entertaining. There were a number of botches in many of the contests and many of the matches. I understand that, but it didn't really take away from my enjoyment of the contest. I know botches happen, more so on this show than most wrestling pay-per-views, but um, I thought overall, I thought it was a very good show, and the main purpose of this show was to set up the card for SummerSlam, set up what's going to be going on there, the outcomes of this contest, of, of these matches, hold back a little bit to deliver on the big stage of SummerSlam, so I understood that, and it succeeded in that respect, because it got me that much more excited for the biggest party of the summer. So with that being said, before we go into my interview with Mr. John Soto as well as John's, we both talked to him, a great roundtable discussion. We'll get to that in just a few minutes. Um, in terms of Raw, I mean, I'm not going to go with my full review. I don't think we have time for that. But as a whole, this is another show that I very much enjoyed. Um, the post-pay-per-view Raws, if I, I mean, if out the show that I went to was any indication, are always very good. This one was no exception. I enjoyed it for what it was. Um, Reigns and Randy Orton and Kane in a handicap matchup. You know, that pretty that pretty much sums it up in a nutshell. Reigns defeating them both. Um, I don't know if a Randy Orton-Kane feud is coming up at SummerSlam. I couldn't care less, to be quite honest with you. Randy Orton, I really hope, doesn't go babyface. Both Kane and Orton are better as heels. But if one of them had to go babyface, I would go with Kane because he's interchangeable as both. Orton is over as a babyface, and he is as a heel as well, and he works better as a heel. But that's just it. He works better as a heel, so he should not be turned and both guys could not mean any less at the moment, so I couldn't care less to see them, you know, to see them feud with each other going to SummerSlam. But that is what it is. Um, I'm looking up and down the card here to see what else was really, you know, that stood out to me. The whole Stephanie and uh, Brie Bella segment, I thought that was very good, and I can't believe I'm actually excited to see a Brie Bella matchup or a Stephanie McMahon, Stephanie McMahon matchup for that matter. But um, I thought the way they furthered that feud by having Brie Bella in the crowd, calling her a bitch, and doing the slap thing with Stephanie. The arrest thing, that kind of was dragged on a little bit too long for my taste anyway. But for what it was, I thought it was great. Good stuff there. Really enjoyed it. Um, like I said, I'm actually looking forward to that matchup come SummerSlam. So that should be interesting. Um, what else? Dolph Ziggler and The Miz, like I said before, had an awesome contest. This show was very light on in-ring action. 
But if there's any one matchup from this show that you should go out of your way to see, it is definitely this contest. And I've been saying this for years now. I mean, these two had their first ever singles encounter on an episode of the main event in late 2012. I believe it was in the month of November. Arguably, and in my opinion, the best matchup and main event history for the WWE. Even they acknowledged that when they made a list of the top 10 main event matches, um, I, I think on their website a couple of months ago. But for what it was... That was a great contest, and by far one of the biggest highlights of Raw. Dolph Ziggler going over, very much over with the audience. So I look forward to those two feuding at some point over the Intercontinental Championship. And I wrote an article on Bleacher Report about this. I don't know if we're going to see a unified title matchup at SummerSlam. I pitched it after it was kind of teased going into Battleground with Sheamus potentially winning and becoming the unified Intercontinental and United States Champion. But that being said, though... Um, I would not be at all be opposed to it. I could very well see Sheamus versus Ziggler versus Miz in the final three of the Battleground Battle Royal. I could see those three going at it at SummerSlam for the mid-card, the unified mid-card title, which I'm all in favor of. If they're not going to do anything with either title, and I've been saying this for a few months now that the mid-card was slowly being built back up to something meaningful for once, both titles are kind of back down to what they were beforehand, before Barrett and Sheamus won the championships. So it's just kind of a waste now. So I'm not at all opposed to a unified mid-card title. You've already got a unified world title, a unified tag title, a unified Divas title. Why just not make it all even all across the board by unifying, by unifying these two titles? And I am all for a brand split. Don't get me wrong. Some people are saying, oh, don't unify these titles. Split up the world titles for that matter too. I understand that. I'm with you on that. I want to see a brand split again too. I want to see the roster mean something again. I want to see a Raw versus SmackDown feud again. I'm not saying it's likely. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I want to see it as a fan. But that being said, what's done is done. The world titles have already been merged. They're not going to be de-unified anytime soon, if if ever again. And I'm pretty sure they will, they will be at some point. But that being said, though, uh, I don't expect them to be anytime soon. I think that's pretty much what I'm getting at here. But that being said, if they're going to unify the world titles, the tag team titles, and the women's championships, then they might as well you know, unify these mid-card titles as well, especially if they're not going to mean anything. I know some people will say, well, we need more stories in the mid-card division. We've got so much talent that's not being used. Really? I mean, will implementing more fucking builds mean anything to talent? I mean, the more, ta- the more titles that you have, the less they mean. The, the, the less those championships mean. Less is more. I've always said that. It relates to wrestling as well. It's perfect in this case. I mean, the less titles you have, the more they mean. The one world championship finally means something because it's not being compared to the World Heavyweight Championship, which was meaningless for years on end, especially after Edge retired. It lost almost all prestige from that point forward. Orton and Christian had a great feud over it. When Henry won it, it was a great moment. But ever since then, over the last three years, the, the, the prestige of that title has been devalued greatly. So for them to unify them, you know, just get it out of the way, might as well do the same thing with the mid-card titles. They're not, if you bring in more championships, who says they're going to feud over them? Ambrose held that U.S. championship for a goddamn year and didn't defend it once within the span of almost six months. So that being said, um, you might as well just go ahead and unify them at this point. I mean, you know, implementing more titles will not do anything to help to the roster at all. If anything, I think unifying them will help the roster because it will make the title chase and make the number one contenders matches mean that much more. Sheamus isn't doing anything with the U.S. title for the most part, so just have him give up that. I mean, he doesn't need a title in the first place, so give him, have him give up that title to The Miz, Ziggler, whoever, and just get it over with already.
So any other highlights from Raw? I'm just looking over here. Oh, the Nation of Domination angle. Okay, I really wanted to talk about this. I know we're kind of going over time, going into my interview with Mr. John Soto, but I did want to talk about this very briefly. So, in a match on Raw, where I Baxel beat Kofi Kingston and Big E. I'm just thinking, okay, this is another one of those mediocre matches that doesn't really mean anything. Kofi and Big E, I guess, have established a friendship on TV. They've been friends behind the scenes for a long time now, but they, their friendship on TV has just recently been established in their feud against Cesaro. And all that kind of stuff. They had a match on main event last week. I figured Kingston and uh, Kingston and Biggie would be going over here. However, Rybaxa went over, and I'm thinking, okay, so they go over to establish themselves as threats to the tag team titles. Here we go again. But that wasn't really what the purpose or the focus of this matchup was at all. So after the contest, you see Big E and Kingston standing in the ring, looking disappointed, looking at one another, and I was hoping that one of them was going to turn on the other. Now. The establishment of the friendship between the two, like I said mere moments ago, really has not been established to the point where it would have meant something if one turned on the other, but I was really hoping for a Kingston heel turn, and I think we got it in the way. I I think we got it in a way, not in that way specifically, but we did get it in a way, because immediately after their loss and after looking disappointed, out of nowhere comes Xavier Woods, and it was just comical. I mean, the guy just came out of nowhere. It was like Josh Matthews at one time, like... Remember all those years back when Josh Matthews would interview someone backstage and he would just seemingly come out of nowhere? It was comical, and that's exactly what Xavier Woods did here. I don't know if he was at ringside or what, but he comes out of nowhere wearing a white suit and glasses, and that look actually fits him. I know he's got the whole funky thing going on down in NXT, looking like a a cheap ripoff of Eddie Murphy, and he had the whole Consequences Cream thing going over, the whole pro-USA gimmick going over in TNA. But this gimmick, I mean, much like with Otunga, and he's got no talent, but at least they figured out a role for him many years ago as a lawyer, because that's his what his, you know, what what he does in reality. He's a lawyer, and he went to Harvard, and they branched off that. And the best characters have always been, you know, further establishments of what you are, of your own personality, just expanding it and just taking it to an all-time ten, to an all-time high, and that's what Xavier Woods showed in this promo, it looks like, you know, being, you know, having a PhD, having a master's, um, being as smart as he is, being, you know, shown in this light with a suit on, with the glasses, it looks awesome. And I saw some people uh, making some comments on some threads saying that he was Malcolm Eggs, Malcolm X, Avery Woods. I thought that was pretty awesome. And hopefully they can run with that on WWE TV. But in so many words, Xavier Woods talking about how they were being held down, how there's we should be stop kissing babies and hugging fat girls and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, our time is now. So it was very interesting, and it's been rumored for years now that WWE has always had the idea of you know coming together of this nation of domination stable, and it all goes back to like I was saying earlier on in the show with the copying of TNA and all that bullshit. I don't really see it with the whole beautiful people thing. Maybe with this with this stable consisting of African Americans, and it's funny because the only African Americans that TNA has are Lashley, MVP, and Kenny King. If I I'm, I'm trying to think of any more, and I don't I, I went through the roster a couple of days ago and I couldn't find any. And the only black people they have are in a stable together. But um, I never really saw I, I never I've never really seen the stable of MVP, Kenny King, and Lashley. Being the, I, I never really saw the purpose of that stable being, you know, that they were being held down, that they wanted to come together to go against the the white people or the Caucasian, whatever, like the Nation of Domination was, you know, in the late '90s during the Attitude Era. 
I never really saw the purpose of that stable in TNA being that way. So I don't really know why MVP took offense to it. I'm not saying that WWE didn't copy um, TNA. I'm not saying that they couldn't. I, I'm, there, there might be a possibility. I'm not saying they did, though. I, I just don't think they did because the, the purpose of both stables are very, very, very different in which MVP's stable consisting of himself, Lashley, and Kenny King is out for power. They're looking to take the power, take the world title. So that's their thing. With Xavier Woods, Kofi, and Big E, it looks like they're kind of you know starting a revolution of sorts after being jobbed out to Rusev for a very long time. And I said on the show a number of months ago, maybe a number of weeks ago, how much they were wasting Xavier Woods, a.k.a. the artist formerly known as um, Consequences Creed in TNA. The guy's got a boatload of talent, so for him to be involved in any of this is great. I'm very happy to see it. And I'm hoping there'll be a heel stable. I mean, we haven't had a very strong heel stable in a very long time. I mean, I know we have the Wyatt family right now, but with the Shield over with and 3MB gone, and they were never really a stable to begin with, but with 3MB gone and the Shield broken up, I think it's time that we get another very strong heel stable outside of, outside of the Wyatt family. And I think a stable consisting of all African Americans involving Xavier Woods, Big E, Kofi Kingston, who I am absolutely ecstatic to see finally turn heel. It's been a long time in the making. I mean, Xavier Woods, Big E haven't been on the roster long enough where they really haven't changed their character. And even Big E went from heel to face, you know, late last year. Kofi Kingston has been with the company for over six and a half years and has been babyface and has had the same character, the same stagnant character for the entire six years that he's been with the WWE. Same theme song, same finisher, same everything. Same smiling face. So now that he's finally switching that up, and I really hope that WWE doesn't drop the ball on this, and I never really thought that a, another heel domination, a heel pro, um, I'm sorry, Nation of Domination 2.0 in the PG era would really work, because, you know, with all the racism and stuff like that, but a lot of fans have been always talking about for, for months now, it seems like it's a popular topic, um, what's going on with the black wrestlers right now in WWE, why are they being held down, why are they being cast as jobbers, Someone on some website, I think a few weeks ago, wrote an article about racism in the WWE. So the fact that WWE is finally putting the stable together of underutilized guys, the timing could not be better. I don't see it. I really hope it pans out and it works out for those, for these guys and that they can flourish in a PG environment. I don't know if they can push the envelope as much as the Nation of Domination did in the late 90s, but either way, I'm ecstatic to see them finally doing something with Xavier Woods, Big E, and Kofi Kingston, and who knows? Maybe they could be joined next by Mark Henry. I know that was a rumor going around. Mark Henry would make an excellent heavy or a leader of this group, especially considering he was in the original incarnation of the group. People were making jokes that JTG got released at the, at the wrong time, seeing at how, you know, given the fact that he's African-American, that he could have been joining in on the fun and for, could have finally gotten TV time for once. But um, if anything, I think the missed opportunity here is that Teddy Long was released. The guy hadn't done anything since he was released um, or, I'm sorry, quote-unquote quit or fired from the position of SmackDown General Manager last summer in July, and he really had not been doing anything on TV since, aside from, you know, aside from a few cameos on Raw and here and there. But um, that being said, though, I think if they brought him back in, being the mouthpiece for the heel nomination of Domination, as they were, as he was in the late 90s for the original incarnation of the group, I think could have been great. I mean, that could have been great use of Teddy Long, and they can always bring him back. But um, that would have been cool to see him, the mouthpiece of the group, and it looks like Xavier Woods is going to take that role, which is perfect for him. He's probably the best talker of Big E and Kofi easily. 
So if they bring in Mark Henry, maybe even R Truth, who you know, if he brings back his char- crazy character, oh my god, I'd be abs- I'd be the happiest man in the world if they brought back heel R Truth. That'd be amazing. Um, maybe even Titus O'Neil. You know, he's not doing anything right now. He's another guy that I think they really dropped the ball on when they uh, when when they turned him heel back in January and split up the primetime players. And hell, who knows? Maybe they can bring back Darren Young after his. Um, injury heals up. Maybe he can come back a part of the group. Hell, <laughs> maybe even David Otunga. I don't know. Maybe he can be the mouthpiece because he can't wrestle for shit. And the fact that he's still under contract and not doing anything, not on TV, working live events or anything, is kind of a disgrace to me personally and a slap in the face to all the people that were released a few weeks ago or about a month ago. But, um, yeah, I love the idea. Here's hoping that they can run with it. And, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Here's hoping that they don't drop the bowl on it so soon or any, or any point within the uh, next few months. So that being said, the last talking point of Raw, Brock Lesnar making his predictable return, not saying that in a bad way, um, although we expected it, it was necessary, it was a very cool moment, I enjoyed it, so great stuff there. It's only logical that Cena, or I'm sorry, that Lesnar would be going after the title, after freaking ending the Undertaker streak at WrestleMania, if he was to do anything else, if he was to do anything else at SummerSlam, whether it faced John Cena in a non-title matchup, or face Sheamus, face whoever else, it wouldn't have made sense. This guy was gunning for the world title long before he ended the streak, so it was only logical for him to come back and be positioned as the number one contender to the title. So I'm very much looking forward to that contest. Brock Lesnar versus John Cena Part 1 at Extreme Rules two, years, two and a half years ago was absolutely amazing. So if that was any sign of what's to come, I'm excited for their encounter, their feud. John Cena was not on Raw last night, which I think might have taken away from the moment a bit that Brock Lesnar did not attack John Cena two years removed from Brock Lesnar's return, also in Miami the night after WrestleMania 28. But um, that being said, though, I'm excited for what Brock Lesnar and John Cena could produce, not only in their match, but in their feud as well, especially with Paul Heyman working as the mic guy um, for Brock Lesnar at the end of Raw. I think he cut a great promo promoting their feud and their whole rivalry going into SummerSlam. So Cena and Lesnar should have a very strong matchup and even a stronger feud going into SummerSlam if it's booked properly. So those are my thoughts on Raw and Battleground. Overall, a very good Two nights of wrestling. I enjoyed Battleground on the WWE Network. Had no streaming issues whatsoever on the WWE Network. Monday Night Raw I thought was just as good, if not better. Um, Paige finally turning heel I thought was a great moment. I failed to mention that before. The heel nation of domination finally being formed. I thought that was great. Brock Lesnar making his return. The awesome matchup, no pun intended once again, between The Miz and Dolph Ziggler. And like I said before, the show is very light on in-ring action. But there were so many other monumental moments and occurrences on last night's show that I really didn't mind it. But like I said before, if there's any one match that they should go out of your way to watch from Raw last night, it is by far Miz versus Ziggler. Great matchup, really enjoyed it. And you don't have to be a fan of either guy. I mean, I know I'm a major Miz fit and a fan of Dolph Ziggler, but you don't have you don't have to be a fan of Miz or Ziggler to enjoy this contest. You just have to be a fan of wrestling in general. So go back and watch that matchup. Go back and watch Raw and Battleground if you have not had the time yet, because I think both shows were great. But um, that being said, we are only a little less than four weeks away from WWE SummerSlam. I'm looking forward to it. SummerSlam has always been one of the blockbuster events of the year, You know, at least in recent years. I know SummerSlam, the lineage of the event, dates back to late 1980s. But um, they've really stacked up the show, dating back to 2011. I thought the 2011, 2012, and 2013, especially installments, 
were all amazing. So here's hoping that WWE can do the same with their upcoming installment with matches like Paige and AJ, Jericho and Wyatt, Cena and Lesnar for the title, Ambrose and Rollins, Orton and Reigns, or Reigns and Triple H, whatever it may be. They're really stacking up the show to be a blockbuster event, and I look forward to it. Here's hoping that they continue to build up the show um, as a meaningful event, as it looks like it will be on paper. So from there, we move on to our exclusive interview, Mr. John Soto at PWHF518 on Twitter. We sat down with him on Saturday when we visited the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame, one of the administrators at the uh, at the establishment. A great location. Cannot recommend that enough to any wrestling fan. Whether you live in the area or not, check it out. It's great. Posted a video of it, of our experience at the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame on Saturday um, on my YouTube channel, so make sure to check that out. But Mr. Soto, a great wrestling analysis, one of the biggest wrestling fans I've ever come across. It was awesome talking to him, and I was able to record the interview, or record our conversation. Um, we talked about basically everything from WWE to TNA to Kenta coming to the company to the streak ending to wrestling entering a new era. Everything, you name it, we talked about it. It was great. Both John Nichols and myself were able to emerge and engage in such great wrestling talk with Mr. Soto on Saturday and cannot thank him enough for the opportunity. So with that being said, um, enjoy the interview. And just a brief note here, I started up the audio mid-conversation. It got two minutes in before I got a call on my phone. It ended the podcast. It ended the interview. And after I got the call, I started the podcast back up again. And it was like mid-sentence. So when you hear the interview, it really starts at a very odd place. But from there, it's only about 10 seconds before you'll quickly get into what we're talking about and um, all the topics. You know, you'll enjoy it. Let me know what you think on Twitter, on Facebook, whatever it may be. Like I said before, make sure to follow John Soto on Twitter at PWHF518. Great guy, great, even bigger wrestling fan. Um, so make sure to check him out. And make sure to enjoy the interview. Hercules 2CW, Squared Circle Wrestling. Yeah, I've heard of that, yeah. Really, Matt Hardy's wrestling for him. Yeah, he does a lot of indie stuff, Matt, months, yeah. I think uh, September he'll be with him. Yeah, yeah, Matt Hardy, yeah. Um, I'm not sure. <laughs> they're a really, really good group of guys. Yeah. Really good. And uh, they always have big names, like, I think last Sunday they had a show. And the Dudleys won their tag team belts. Oh, really? really? So what are they, what, 24-time tag team champions yeah. or something like that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're going to the TNA Hall of Fame this year. Yeah. Really? Yeah, the Dudleys. Yvonne are... just came back. Yeah, he yeah. did, yeah. 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 So um, one year we had TNA here did a show for us. Oh, really? Yeah, 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 it's pretty cool. I've heard of that. Yeah. Do you guys do matches and stuff too? Don't you guys do exclusive matches during Not the Hall of Fame ceremony? us. We can't say that we... Yeah. Is it like indie events or? Yeah, that's exactly. What yeah, it is. yeah. The indie company will come in. They'll put on a show for us yeah. right here in town. Yeah. Um, like this one, this past one in May with Two CW was like a block away. Yeah. Oh really? Building, you know, up this way. Um, two uh, TNA did uh, the high school here, Amsterdam mm-hmm. High School. Yeah. That's where they did theirs. So it's a, it's a good time. It's definitely a, a mix of talent. You know, you mm-hmm. have the older guys, the legends, and then you have. The newer yeah, guys, guys. Okay. Speaking of TNA, uh, what do you uh, think of their new creative direction? I like it. The new I reboot and everything? Going, I think it's going to go in the, in the right direction. Honestly. Finally. I mean, uh, yeah. The last impact on Thursday I thought was great. I thought it was great. I thought exactly. I, I mean, um, compared to what they've done in the past, that was in great. Com- in comparison, I feel like the days of old will never be, you know... A 6 out of the oh, ring won't change anything overnight, you know what I mean? When they used to do the weekly pay-per-views that you're talking about, 
Well, oh, like, yeah, it was like when they first started. And they, yeah, NWA, like 04, DNA. Yeah, exactly, yeah. That was great. Yeah. That was awesome. Even after that, like 05, 06, when they had their own identity. When Jarrett was running it. When Jarrett, yeah, exactly. When Jarrett <laughs> was around and was in full force. I think you know? Jarrett's new thing is going to be great, oh, too. Right. Yeah, global Jared Force Wrestling, yeah. I think that's going to be great because yeah. it's all the, the It's another the alternative, newer, you know? Yeah, yeah. The Competition. Talent. You know, um, I think Ring of Honor... They might be going in the right direction. I'm not sure. Who knows? Yeah, yeah they were just really, uh, recently on pay-per-view. I feel like yeah. Ring of Honor's been treading water, not necessarily. They no, but just recently, anything. though. Just, just, yeah. Just yeah, they, they, they just had their one. Not, yeah, they had their best their in the world show. They brought, that AJ Styles thing. is there now, you yeah. know, Bad Influence. So. Yeah. Yeah, I can't believe they got rid of Bad Influence. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And they kept the... How do you not have anything to do with them, you know? Yeah, with Bromance. Bro so, yeah, like, come on. We've been uh, watching Robbie E since like his indie days. And then, yeah. and then the, the carnival they have there. Oh, the menagerie! Like, the come menagerie. on, yeah. dude. The uh, Mike Knox in the head. Mike Knox yeah, in the helmet. Knox, like Knox. Knox and Knox. Like, yeah. break, dude. Yeah, Mike but Knox um, I think I think, no, no, I think oh, they're headed God. down the right path right now. Honestly, the, um, by the end of summer they'll have Dixie Carter written off TV. Yep. so that'll be nothing. Oh, because of the Bully Ray angle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I don't want to spoil it for you, but yeah, uh, I'm not a big spoiler guy. Yeah, yeah. but I, I think I know what you're talking about that. Um, yeah, the, she'll be written off TV and. Just some really cool things that towards the end of summer, mm-hmm. you know, I know they're setting up for uh, Hardy Boys against the Dudleys TLC match. Yeah, they're doing um, that in the Wolves the too. The yeah, summer, so. that's awesome. They have Muda next week. Yeah, Muda there. on there. They they just got in a a uh, contract agreement with Wrestle One in Japan. Okay. So Tajiri will be there next week. I don't oh, know wow. if he'll be on TV, but mm-hmm. he'll, or the next set of tapings. I don't know if it'll be next week, but um. I think they're going the right direction. I After heard Hogan and that guy. Yeah, Eric yeah. Bischoff, come on. You know, Hogan's fine in WWE because he has no power. Exactly. exactly. You know? And TNA, the problem was that even if they have him, it's not considered a bad thing, but if no. he doesn't go out there and promote like the company yeah. that he's working for, then what's the point? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, why and, even have him? It's a big waste of money. Yeah, his his way of thinking, him and Bischoff, I mean. Yeah, it ran out of, it ran it down the tubes. Uh, it was yeah, it was not good. Yeah, what what are your thoughts on uh I'm bound for glory. They're WrestleMania. Going to Japan this year. I think that's huge. That is big. I really think that's That's a huge. big thing. It's a big really risk because it won't be live or anything, but pay-per-view yeah. isn't their central no. moneymaker anyway. No, but the no. fact they're going there, it doesn't matter if it's live or like seven days later. Just, it's going to be sick. That yeah. is huge, and I think it'll work out really well. And that's I a, think that might be their, you know, if they do everything right from yeah, now until then, that might be their big Exactly. Point. Jumping point. Yeah. Exactly. Well, that's the thing, though, because their their big focal point, their big goal, should be to strive to be different from yeah. WWE. Yeah. And yeah. WWE will never have. They, they can't even have like another WrestleMania in like England or something. They never did. But I mean, yeah. they'll never do that, unfortunately. Summerslam. Or SummerSlam. Yeah, they won't even do another pay per view outside of the country. Yeah. Much less, you know, Why like a WrestleMania. There's like time differences and you know the Canada. budget. Yeah, Canada. Like, come on, go back to Canada at least. You know. I mean, they, did, they did Toronto and. Go to. Yeah, I know, but that was ten years ago, and they haven't gone back since. They, last time they did a WWE pay per view in Montreal was like with Pat Patterson on. It was like Breaking Point, like five years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, so the fact that TNA is going to Japan is big. Yeah, you know? yeah, it, it, it's, it's a, big, it's a big deal. Yeah, yeah that's think, gonna be pretty I sweet. think something big will happen. 
I don't know for sure, but I think yeah. something big will happen. The fact that Muda, you know, the, yeah. one of the biggest legends in yeah. the business is there, you know. I've always been a fan of Muda, so yeah. just hearing his name is like... Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. That guy's just, I, I don't know how the hell he's still wrestling, Yeah, yeah. to be honest with you, because he was around when I was a kid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not that old, but I'm just saying, you know, he was old then. Yeah, yeah exactly. He was already yeah, going man. bald and, you know, but... uh that guy, you can't beat Muda, man. His yeah. character always evolved, and it always was some kind of messed up crap. Mm-hmm. Well, my concern yeah. right now for TNA is that they might have a, simul- a similar uh, WCW effect in that they're not really cropping young talent, whereas they're putting all their chips on one guy, yeah. Goldberg. Because yeah. um, yeah. I don't really see, other like, EC3 a little bit, but I don't really see the young guy that they're like putting all their cards on. I mean, they they brought Rhino and Dreamer back, and I get I get you're in a New York you're in New York yeah that's yeah kind of, that's, that's your big market yeah, exactly yeah. but uh, I mean I, I really want to see them you know, push a young guy and they're, they're well they they're, need to focus on their originals like they did that with Eric Young I mean not the right way they, he was like a joke for the longest mm-hmm. time and then they just gave him the title I mean he's a great guy and they did it to promote his like TV show and yeah. stuff you know for yeah. the most part but someone like a Bobby Roode is a guy that you can build a company around. You know, that guy is great. Like, you know, that guy has the I, mold that WWE's looking for. I thought that him and uh, James Storm, James one Storm, of the best tag teams, I think, uh, I thought they ever. Were great when yeah. they were together. I awesome. think James Storm is another underutilized yeah. player. They, they gave him the title for what? Uh, uh, two weeks. Two yeah. weeks, yeah. yeah. And that was it. He was too southern, was there? Yeah, reasoning? something he was like too, that. Was, he, he was too southern. And he was over as a baby face, too. But now, even now, as a heel, he's doing he great can, work. He yeah. dedicated uh, isn't, he, isn't he putting Sonata over right now? Yeah, yeah they're doing some yeah, feud with that or something. Up, yeah. Sonata yeah. ends up going with him, sorry. Spoiler, yeah. But he ends up teaming, turning heel. Sonata? Yeah. Oh, really? So. Oh, wow. Interesting. Be that's that's interesting. That's something that, that's good because Sonata, since different. they brought him in, yeah, exactly. Because the guy had no personality. Well, I mean, th- how that's, gonna, how, that's how you get a personality. How exactly. Gonna, how are you going to team up some guy from Japan with this southern, yeah, exactly. rocker type guy? Yeah. You know, it's different. I yeah, like exactly, it, you know? exactly. And I think they could run with it, and I hopefully they will. Well, now I'm excited. But <laughs> well, speaking of Japanese talent. WWE just signed Kenta. Oh, that's huge. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, Jesus Christ, that's huge. Excuse my language, but that's huge. <laughs> it's okay. That is huge. Uh, yeah, I, when when I read, I mean, I had been reading about it for weeks. Yeah, it's been but, going on uh, for months. Yeah. When they officialized they had the video it. of it, I'm sure you guys saw the video. Yeah, yeah, the sign. And I, I shared it out there, and I put a little thing out there. He's just a. Uh, he, he's phenomenal. Yeah, he is great. <laughs> Kenta, I see. I had the pleasure of seeing him live at Ring of Honor, and. Um, Against Manhattan. his matches with Brian at all? No, I saw him against uh, another Japanese, Mara Fuji. Oh, okay. In, in um, Manhattan. Mm-hmm. Um, man, when, this was years ago. Uh, do you guys watch Ring of Honor? I do, yeah. I just started getting into it just a couple months oh. ago. It's great. Right, well, I haven't back, been watching it since it started. Back then, um, their competition was a company called CZW. Yeah, you I remember yep, them. Yep. Mm-hmm. They're still going today. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so they were doing like an invasion angle. Yep. And uh, I was a huge um, Claudio Castagnoli. Antonio, Antonio yeah, Cesaro, Cesaro, whatever, yeah. Uh, Chris Hero fan. Yeah. Uh, Cassius Ono, whatever. Ca- yeah. The ne- fact they dropped uh, Necro him, Butcher, yeah. you know, Necro yeah. Butcher. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was, that was the first <laughs> night I actually saw that crazy guy. Yeah. But um, they started that angle when I was there. And... Uh, Kenta was there that night, and I've never, ever been to another show that 
I got that into. Yeah. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, yeah, yeah. It was fun. You As know, a fan, yeah, definitely. They didn't, they didn't give any hints to it happening. Mm-hmm. It just happened during a match. Mm-hmm. You know, Castagnoli came out. He was supposed to be with Ring of Honor. Mm-hmm. And Chris Hero came out, and he was a CZW guy, but they were the kings of wrestling, and yeah, everybody yeah. knew that. Yeah, Great tag were, team. They were, you know, teasing like they're about to brawl. And then Claudio turned on Ring of Honor. It was just it oh, was and that's insane. how the Kings of Wrestling formed. It was no, no, they formed before that, oh, but okay. they wrestled separately. Oh, one okay. was for CZW, one was for Ring of Honor. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. And that, and people knew they had that connection outside mm-hmm. of Ring of Honor. Yeah, and uh, everybody just thought they were going to clash right there. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. one standing up for each other's company. You know. And they completely swerved everybody, and then Necro Butcher ran out, and they just destroyed people. Oh, yeah. man, Samoa Joe was there. Joe. Uh, Brian Danielson was there. Yeah. Oh, man, it was phenomenal. And, and Kenta was there with, with Mara Fuji, and that yeah. was huge. I think that was the first time I saw him live. And he did the go to sleep. Yeah, before back then. Yeah, yeah, back then. And then you compare the two. It out, yeah, and I was like, oh. Brian does man. the knee now too. He does the the running the knee. The running knee. Whatever. Yeah. Which no one ever sells. Which really. I don't know what they're gonna do with Kenta. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said that he's willing to change his name. He's willing to. Uh, he said he's doing going to you know, start from the bottom up. Start right from now. the bottom up, and that's somebody that doesn't need to. But yeah. hey, if can I, can he's I somebody that can do it. The yeah. hype behind Kenta reminds me a lot of. Sin Cara, this is well, who everyone was excited about joining. Oh, we're gonna no, get, we're but gonna he didn't luchador. know English. That was the biggest problem. Was, I think he was too fast. He was too lucha. Yeah, Libre yeah. Instead of WWE, WWE yeah. is its own style. And yeah. Kenta, you he, know, and he, I think I he think was, he's going NXT first, isn't yeah, he? Yeah. And Sin Cara, Sin they just, Cara went, just boom, main roster, you know, right on first it. first match with like Primo or something. You know, I, I, I was, it. I'll admit it, I was. Jumping up and down when yeah, I found yeah. out they signed him because I'm a big Lucha Libre fan. Yeah, and uh, I was like, "Holy crap, Mystical! You know, he, he's he'll be great." You know? Yeah, yeah. It didn't work out. Now, <laughs> is Tunico still doing that? Yes, yeah. him and uh, Why, another big Lucha Libre guy they have down in NXT is at Callisto. Callisto, he's gonna be like the next guy, I think. The next, they want like him the next to, Lucha star. Yeah, he's, he's talented and he can go. He was. Uh, Samurai Del Sol or something. That's him? Yeah. Oh, I've heard that name before. I didn't yeah, know that was the same that's guy. him. And uh, they want him to be like the next Rey Mysterio. Yeah, well, the thing is that he Latino. tried it with Sin Cara, yeah. and they messed it up. Del Rio, Del Rio. when they turned him babyface for a while. And then he started doing a little lucha. And yeah, the, yeah. Double turn. Yeah. He's, he's like, I like Del Rio. I'm a Del Rio fan. but He's a good he's, wrestler. He's like... He's still the man. Jobber, yeah, man. Yeah, they gotta like, do something, you know. They gotta switch it up with him, like give him back his personality with like the cars yeah. and Ricardo. Well, they can't now. Yeah, they can't now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, Ricardo's freaking awesome wrestler. Yeah. I don't know if you guys ever seen yeah. him. He does that El Local gimmick. Yeah, I saw down that. There. Yeah, him and, uh, him and yeah, they had a tag team going. Yeah. yeah, and now Callisto's tag team with with Hunico. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Because I heard, yeah, in the most recent cool. show, they said that they were going to do something. Yeah, that's pretty so, cool. They're going to find a tag team. Was Ricardo on TakeOver? TakeOver. Uh, NXT TakeOver? Who? No. No? No, no, no. Ricardo? No. Rodriguez. No. Yeah, yes. Yeah, no. they, were, they faced was the Ascension. Yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure. Yes, yes. he was. Yes. You're right. They lost. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, I don't know who the other guy was. I remember saying, I was like, he looks so bad. <laughs> like, just not in shit. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, it's He's different. good, though. Yeah. He can you, go you for a guy his, his matches size, as, really? uh, his, I think he wrestled under Chimera or something oh, really? like that. I don't know, something yeah. like that. He, he has some really good, badass matches. Yeah. <laughs> I was really hoping does. that when they broke him and Del Rio up, 
they would transition him into a wrestler role. But then he just did the whole RVD thing, and that was just weird. That was like, odd. That I was, was a very was odd pairing. I was still waiting for... Uh, I really wanted uh, Ricardo to turn on RVD. Because yeah, yeah. they could have done so much with Del Rio RVD. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. The next month they're doing Del Rio singing. I'm like, all right. no one's Yeah, and then he him. lost that. And he hasn't been the same since. He was yeah, worth, it was funny because he was, he was in the Money in the Bank main event. This is what I was going to tell you last night, but I forgot. He was in the main event of the pay-per-view for the world title at Money in the Bank like mm-hmm. three weeks ago. Next night when we went to Raw, on the Superstars mm-hmm. taping, Star- facing R-Truth. I know. Like, <laughs> you know, that's what I mean. Like, you can't just... You can't, it's so weird, you know? Yeah, it's bizarre. I don't, I don't understand what, how they think. Yeah. Hey, they're a different kind of Yeah, they're a whole different, <laughs> whole different machine. But, I don't know. But uh, they have a... I mean, what you could, so many guys they have have talent. Yeah. So I kind of understand that, you know, we, okay, we have this roster. Yep. Everybody on there is mega talented. Yeah. What do you do with them? Yeah, exactly. Like a Dolph Some Ziggler. of them have to be jobbers. Some of them are yeah. the ones are going to... You can't push them all. Yeah, no. but... Ziggler, they could push. They that, just that's that's started, that's started making me mad. We were talking this last night. really stupid. At least, at least they don't have a lot of underutilized... Ta- like a lot of talented guys that are not using them. Like someone like an Ambrose and a Rollins sure. and a Roman Reigns. How often do you get a stable... Oh, that's a great stable for one thing, and they and all go all places. Yeah. And it's only been a month. I mean, it's pretty pr- premature to say. Yeah. I mean, they could be all jobbers by the end of the year. You never know. Yeah. I don't think so, but you know what I mean. But in the last month, they're all over. Mm-hmm. They all have great characters, and they're all very good wrestlers. Yeah. Some more than others, but yeah. they all got direction. Yeah, they all have huge direction. They weren't expecting that for Ambrose. Yeah, not they at all. They weren't expecting uh, that yeah, at all. Huge Ambrose. They're like, oh, huge Roman Reigns, next big guy. And he will be. Nothing against that. But I think Roman Reigns is going to be. He's got to learn how to talk. Yeah, he he's got to learn how to talk. <laughs> he does. Yeah. He's, been, he's, he's improved, though. He's improved. Oh, my God. I'm smackdown. At least he's saying more than believe that. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. You know what I mean? He's come, he's come a long, long way, yeah. But he'll get there. Yeah. yeah. That's why they're taking so long, teasing the belt thing. And yeah. That, yeah, yeah. You know, because he's not fully together. He's not yet, there yet. You know? They're hoping won't. by WrestleMania he'll be... That yeah. they want that to be his moment. WrestleMania. Yeah. I think I, I think they swerve Mania? unless they keep trying to swerve because they're sick of the the internet stuff. Yeah, yeah. twenty fifteen Royal Rumble winner. I think right there, Roman Reigns. I'm Could be. telling you right now. I think yeah. some people. I think Jr. predicted this or something that Reigns wins the Royal Rumble mm-hmm. and Lesnar at SummerSlam wins the title. Which, this is the issue, because Lesnar has to win the championship by this point. You just ended, like, the Undertaker's streak, yeah. but he can't appear on TV for, like, six months straight. You know what I mean? Some he's people only are saying, got in his contract Yeah, and he's not going to do any more dates. Yeah. Something like that? He's not going to sign up for more dates. He doesn't what? care. He gets paid... Millions of dollars as it is. I think his last contract he signed was $5 million. Yeah. That's a lot of money in, in wrestling. For yeah. You know, for part... For 25 shows... Yeah, for Why? Why do I for like work more? You're going to pay <laughs> yeah, exactly. me $5 million to Come on, Raw, for 10 minutes to do a segment, go back yeah, home not, to Minnesota. Not even, not even talk. And then, yeah. Yeah. Oh, he can't talk. That's a good oh, thing. Yeah, that's yeah. a great thing. Heyman's a lifesaver. And that's why they took Heyman away from Cesaro Yeah. the last probably week or are they, so. Are they yeah, doing I think that for now? No. I don't know for oh, sure. No. We'll find out on it's, Sunday. It's not for sure. Yeah. It's not for sure. It's just... So that Heyman can focus with Lesnar. That's the issue, though, because my my biggest concern was that you know they had to give the big Curtis Axel push, and they gave him the IC title, which was a cool moment. Like on Father's Day, it was awesome. And then I think it was in Minnesota. No, I think it was it was on Chicago. It was on like Payback or something like that. Payback 2013. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. But but they did some kind of significance to it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
No, it was Father's Day. It was the Father's Day. Yeah, it was Father's Day. And then they went to go on to do the Punk Lesnar feud, but Axel was still with Heyman. Yeah. And the IC title was completely overlooked. He had too much much talent. And he was jobbing a punk every week, Axel was. And he was like the fall guy for Heyman. That's what I'm I'm worrying now that they'll do with Cesaro now that Lesnar is going to feud with Cena. You know what I mean? So. I'm going to try to throw Ryback in there. There's too many. many Yeah, right. That was a bust. Ryback was dead in the water by that point. I was a big Ryback fan, but they killed that. Yeah. They well, killed that. I, I guess a lot of people didn't like to work with him. He, I guess the yeah, really? was pretty rough. Unsafe, I guess. Yeah, and he gave Ziggler concussion a couple yeah. months ago. Yeah, yeah. ended his career yeah. again. Ziggler, man, he gets one more concussion, he's got to be done. Yeah, yeah. God. You know, you know, that's one Graves. reason why they're, they, they don't want to push him. Is yeah. they're like, <laughs> yeah. this guy takes one crazy bump, he's got a exactly. concussion. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, uh, getting kicked in the face of the ladder by Jack that, Swagger. Yeah, that, that was, was crazy. That. And Swagger injured Barrett too, and it was funny because like the internet hated Barrett for like, or hey, I'm sorry, hated Swagger for like all of that week because he injured Barrett yeah. at like the SmackDown tapings or something. Next week, most over guy in the yeah. show. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. people can switch their opinions in yeah. a second based on like the booking of their guy, but oh, yeah. it's crazy. Oh, but yeah. they, they're every, hey, if we're if you're a fan, you're a puppet. Yeah, exactly. We'll just go along with what Vince wants to do. Today you love Matt Hardy. If he went back and jumped the biggest guy there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, screw this guy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But that's how it is, man. That's That's what makes it fun. Seth (laughs) Seth Rollins was the perfect thing. It's like when he turned heel, like no one saw that coming. And he was the perfect heel because... I thought it would have been Ambrose. Yeah, and I was like, I legitimately hated Seth Rollins. Like as a fan, you know, not as a person, but like as a fan, I'm like, this guy's an a-hole because yeah. he just broke up my favorite stable out of nowhere, yeah. and this guy just turned out as like best friends or whatever. Like I hated Am- I hated Rollins, and that's what makes for a great heel. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? If you feel like real hatred of these guys, and that's how like heels got over exactly. like, you know, like decades ago. Job. Exactly. Exactly. You, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, I I thought it was questionable why they chose Rollins to be the one to break away, but I'm glad that they're. I, it was a swerve. I know. Yeah, exactly. Well. They've been doing the best but in the company right they, now. They they did they for, like they that, they got my. Hopes back in them because they, I yeah. thought they're going to do Reigns and Ambrose run together and no. Rollins. And well, they should have like they them all something. Up. They should have like solidified like, hey, let's go our separate ways, but we'll be like allies or something, you know. I'm just glad they're they're all doing their own thing yeah. right now. Roman Reigns, what they should do is the Shield, you know, five years down the line, we'll be back together yeah, for sure. a reunion show or something. It'd be like a DX. Exactly, yeah. but what they should do. Is that you know like after DX broke up, Triple H didn't use the DX music. So with Roman Reigns, get it out of there, get it out of there, get the shield the... attire. So when that music hit, when that music hits, Zero Hotel, exactly. Indy Echo, Lima Delta, the yeah. shield, and that music goes off, it's gonna be the mark out moment of the century, you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's gotta switch. They, they gotta give him his own identity too. Ambrose, you were talking about this last I was, night. I, I love the way Creative is is presenting him because yeah. I was I was nervous when they broke up. I was like, how are they gonna you know present all of them? What's gonna be their new attire? Their new music, and I think that his character now that he has is crazy. Like the je- the jeans, yeah. the yeah. white. Be- I like. It's I didn't perfect. think he could pull that off. Yeah, like, I'm it, surprised they're letting him wear that attire yeah. because uh, Wyatt. Uh, oh Luke yeah, Harper. good point. Luke Harper, yeah, exactly exactly the same thing. Same exact yeah. thing. Like, but again, it's, you pro- you don't even think of put two and two together yeah, like exactly. that because there's two different characters. You know what I mean? Ambrose has always so, been a great mic worker. Yeah. But like just now, he's like. He's he's been given the, the ball, wrestling. yeah. Just let him go. Just let he him just into free that reign. Hardcore. Yeah. Yeah. Like extremely. It's hardcore. John Moxley, right? Yeah. yeah I've yeah. seen pictures of like blood running down his face. Oh, man, it's yeah. gross. Yeah. Crazy stuff. Yeah. I think he he got uh, uh what was it? Weed whacker. 
Oh my God! Really? Yeah. Jesus. Whip them with a weed whacker. Yeah. Ah, that stuff. Yeah, I'm like, not a fan. I of, used yeah. to like it. Yeah. When like, I was younger, I was like, yeah. "Oh man, this is great death matches." Because when I was younger, me and my cousins used to watch all of Japan FMW. Was like yeah, crazy stuff. Yeah. yeah. And they used to do a death match tournament. Yeah. And of course, that famous Foley and Terry Funk, yeah. oh king my of God, the death match. Years uh, gone, yeah. You know, <laughs> it's crazy. I, so I used to love that, but well, yeah, watching it stuff now, now it's, it's like, it yeah, it's mad. yeah, it's a little strange. Why yeah. would you want to do that? Yeah, it's, great. it's <laughs> like, kind of like disgusting to watch. You yeah. know, I'm a Necro Butcher fan, but I can't really watch any of his matches yeah. because put him through a t- like a table spot or something. Okay, that's cool. But even like watching Hardy when he did the Swanton, and oh. the, like that was a cool spot yeah. as a fan, very cool spot. But I mean, like. That's that, it, gotta you know, kill you. Everybody know? gets on the guy. Oh, he's a drug addict or was, whatever. Yeah. You yeah. know? Okay, well, now you know why. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, he's doing this for us. The yeah. reason why those spots are so cool, though, is because you don't you see, don't see them. them. Exactly. All the time. Exactly. Yeah. That's, that's what I like that Vince McMahon grasped that maybe Paul Heyman did it. When every yeah. match is a barbed bar wire yeah, fire exactly. on the ring, like, you know, like it's. Mm. It's cool for one show, but have it a wrestling match. Yeah, exactly. I remember I was watching an ECW Rewind on the network, and they had Eddie Guerrero versus Dean Malenko in a freaking Broadway. Yeah. Two out of three falls? uh, I don't know if it was that particular match. Did they have a run or anything? It was just this one match. Yeah, they had a little mini feud. All right, but they were were doing this on ECW, and the crowd was dead. I'm like, It was a phenomenal match, too. I'm like, what more could you ask for in a wrestling show? They had Benoit there, Mysterio, Jericho. I remember there was like a display. Servants in the crowd, and the crowd was more focused on like saying, "Like kick him out." Like, uh, yeah, here's Dean Malenko and a freaking Guerrero yeah. wrestling yeah. in the ring, like, mm-hmm. WrestleMania, like oh you know, caliber I, match. I, I, I'd pay, I'd give up college. It's a different, match. it's a different time though, you know. <laughs> like, I mean, I know the Attitude Era, and even still is considered one of the greatest, if not the greatest era in wrestling. And mm-hmm. I understand that, rightfully so. But you go back, you compare today's wrestling to that. This is like amazing compared yeah, to what the wrestling back is. The stories are better back then, obviously by a long mile. I but I, the wrestling, I want to contest what you're saying. There. I yeah. wouldn't say that. It's I, I think that right now, what you're expected to be able to do is what pe- overachievers were doing in the Attitude Era. The, like right now, like if you want to be, if you want to work TV, if you yeah. want to, if you want to be one, like if you want to run with the ball, you got to be able to hit certain spots, yeah. do certain things. That back back in the ninety nine late nineties, it was just like if you could do that, like a job. Like, yeah, exactly. So, but I think I think that what you what you're expected of now is just like is like what what their overachievers were looking to do is just what you're expected to know. It's like yeah. bare minimum, you gotta mm. be able to do that. But, yeah, exactly. It's, it's different, man. It's yeah. different, and it's, it's gonna keep way. getting. It's gonna keep getting different. Yeah, people I mean, it like evolves. It, it evolves like anything else. You know, this is a down period right now. But once that they that one thing happens mm-hmm. to yeah. turn it. Yeah, that one Austin promo, like the punk pipe bomb. I mean, it yeah. wasn't like didn't revolutionize. It was, that was supposed to that be was big. the mm-hmm. big thing, and yeah. it did turn it for a little while because like, you were like, holy shit, yeah, exactly, exactly. So. And it launched Punk's career into what it was. Yeah. Well, uh, before that left. At WrestleMania 30, I had all these feelings of nostalgia. I felt like I was watching WrestleMania 12, Shawn Michaels holding the title. Also, the way Michael Cole was announced, and I thought uh, it reminded me of JR saying the Austin era has that begun. too. That mm-hmm. WrestleMania I, I got, 30 I got all like these emotions, all these know? emotions of like, wow, there's re- it's really a new time. It's yeah, like new yeah. Ryan went over the streak ends. It's like the close of one chapter. Beats Triple H clean. Yeah, Batista tap out. Yeah, like, clean. It, it, yeah. it feels like you know new exactly. things are happening. So. Yeah, it was a big era. Or I mean, it started a new era, like the reality era, whatever yeah. they call it. You know. 
we'll name it in 10 years. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see where they go next. Yeah. Hopefully it's up. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully. All right. All set? All set. Nice meeting you, man. Nice meeting you. Nice talking nice to you. Good nice talking. talking to you. Hope you guys enjoyed it. And that'll wrap up our conversation with John Soto of Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame in Amsterdam, New York. A great conversation. Once again, thanks to Mr. Soto for allowing us to talk to him, for allowing us to come into the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame on Saturday. Had a very good time, and I cannot suggest it. Recommended enough to wrestling fans who live in the area. And even if you don't live in the area, make the trip. Whether you live in California, Texas, halfway across the world, Make the trip to Amsterdam, New York, the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame. It's a great location. It's a great uh, place to be for all wrestling fans. We'll post a video of the event, of our experience at the uh, Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame on Saturday on my YouTube channel, so make sure to check that out for exclusive content and what the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame basically entails. It's a heaven for all, of, for all wrestling fans, like I said before. Um, but once again, thanks to Mr. Soto for the interview. He's a great guy. You can follow him on Twitter at PWHF. 518. I believe that's correct. Not 158. I think I typed it in wrong on Saturday when I followed him. And uh, I, I believe it is PWHF518. You can also follow the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame on Twitter. Their official Twitter account is at PWHF. So, that being said, um, like I said, great conversation with Mr. Soto. Very much look forward to seeing him once again, having our paths crossed again in the very near future. Hopefully, next year when we visit the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame in Amsterdam if we go camping in that area once again. Great meeting him, great talking to him. We'll talk to him. We'll catch him down the road. But um, next week, like I said earlier on in the show, at the start of the program, we will be having John Nichols on not only next week, but the week after. Very good friend of mine, diehard wrestling fan, as big of a fan of wrestling, if not a bigger fan of wrestling than I am, um, as me, I should say, as I should say. Um, but we sat down last week or this past Saturday after we went to the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame. We sat down that night and talked about almost everything. But part one of our conversation, which will air next week, talks about the WWE Network breaking it all down for you folks and every aspect of the WWE Network. And basically, in a nutshell, explaining why you, the folks at home, should have it if you don't already. So with all of that being said... Thanks for listening to today's show, folks, to my Raw Review, Battleground Thoughts, and to, of course, to our exclusive interview with Mr. Soto. I very much appreciate it. But um, we'll be back next week with my exclusive interview with Mr. John Nichols. But in the meantime, you can follow me on Twitter at Russell Rant. Find me on Facebook at Graham Jason Matthews. Bleacher Report, same thing, and YouTube, same thing. You can check out this show, WrestleRant Radio, every single week right here on nextairwrestling.weebly.com. And if you want more of my thoughts on Raw, Battleground, and everything else going on in the world of wrestling in written form, make sure to check out nextairwrestling.weebly.com for my reviews of Raw, SmackDown, Main Event, NXT, Superstars, Impact, you name it, I review it. All the stuff is up there on the website, and if you're listening to the show right now, odds are you are listening to it from the website, so you're already on it, you know where to find it. That being said, we'll catch you guys next week. I'm Graham Jason Matthews, and we'll see you then.